Happy Sunday. So glad that you're with us today at Life Center. Uh, today we're going to continue on in a series that we've been journeying through for a number of weeks entitled, What the World Needs Now. And we've come to this conclusion over and over again, what the world needs now is love. When we talk about love, we're not just talking about the emotion of love, although that, that might be nice. It's not just some type of expression of love. Ultimately, what we've come back to over and over is what the world needs now is the love of God. And today, I want to spend the next few minutes, we're going to look to the scriptures together. But this last week as I was praying, I was preparing for this weekend, I felt the, the Holy Spirit begin to speak to me and challenge me with this simple thought, and that's really what I've titled today's message, and it's simply, Awaken the Awe. Awaken the Awe. I want us to go on a journey the next few moments that we have together as we look into the scriptures and, and we come back because my guess is most of us, we know what I was going to speak on today. It's Christmas. Probably going to speak about the birth of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. Those of you who come during Easter, probably not a lot of questions about what Tyler's going to preach on during Easter. And the challenge is this. With familiarity at times, our sense of awe and wonder can begin to diminish. Why? Because we know the story. And yet today, I, I want us to lean in with, with fresh eyes, with open hearts to consider the significance of the arrival of Jesus. My prayer for each and every one of us is that there would be an awakening in that sense of awe. I want us to begin by going to a book in the Old Testament. For those who are new to Scripture, the Old Testament is filled with the story of a people group known as Israel. They were, they were God's covenant people. And yet that was God's plan to bring blessing to humanity, ultimately seen in the arrival of Jesus. But a few hundred years before Jesus was born, one of the prophets named Isaiah receives a message from the Lord. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, I want us to begin by, by centering our hearts on this simple truth. It says this, For a child will be born for us. Can you say for us? A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of peace. See, sometimes with, with familiarity, we, we go, okay, yep, Christmas, Jesus is born. When do we open up the presents? And today, as I was praying this morning, as I was driving in, I, I felt the Holy Spirit remind me of this simple truth. You cannot rush awe. Sometimes 
that, that cultivation of a sense of awe in our hearts and our minds. We, we have to sit with it. We have to consider it. We have to pray for fresh eyes. Holy Spirit, would you help us to see what at times feels so familiar? God, would you awaken our awe? Would you awaken our awe? See, I want you to consider for a moment, when was the last time you found yourself in awe of something? I know a number of years ago, our family, it was during COVID, we, we took this road trip through the Southwest. And I remember driving in our car and we're coming through these, these canyons and these rock formations. And I'm, I'm like losing my mind. I'm like, kids, do you see this? And they're like, yeah, dad, we see it, you know. They're on their devices. And I'm, I'm like having this moment as we're driving. I'm like, you guys don't miss this. Look around, it, it's, it's beautiful. When was the last time you were moved to awe? I remember the moment each of our three kids were born being so full of, of gratitude and, and pride. I was, I was blown away by the beauty of our children. I remember taking photos, assuming everybody wanted to know everything that they did. And, and I wanted to share it. I wanted to talk about it. it. Isn't that what happens when we experience awe? We want to share it. Some of you, this summer, you were in awe of a movie you saw. Brandon, can, can you help me out? Some, some of you were so in awe of Top Gun Maverick that you were, you were telling people, man, you got to see this movie. I had so many people come up to me, Tyler, have you seen the movie? And I'm like, do you see the mustache? Yes, I've seen the movie. The mustache is here because I saw the movie. And what was interesting is so many people, they, they loved that movie, they were impacted about that movie, and the result was they talked about it. They talked about it. You see, isn't that what, what awe does? When, when we actually are moved to a place of awe, we, we talk about it. We're not shy about telling others about it. Why? Because of the impact and excitement that it's had on our lives. See, awe is, is simply this. It's that overwhelming feeling of, of reverence or admiration. Awe. Awe. In hundreds of years before Jesus would be born, and his parents, they would place him in a, in a manger, a, a feeding trough. Many of us, we, we know the story. But does the story still spark awe? Go with me to Isaiah chapter 9 once again. I want to back up a few verses. Because this message is, 
is coming to this people group known as Israel in, in a dark and challenging time. And Isaiah, he prophesies and he says this, the people walking in darkness. Can you say darkness? As you've looked around your world lately, does it feel at times like it's dark? Because it says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Matthew in his gospel, he's actually going to pull this scripture and place it in his gospel account. Why? Because Matthew is saying to us as readers, this is speaking about Jesus. That in the midst of darkness, light is going to come breaking in. And Isaiah, he continues his thought. And then we get to what we read a moment ago in verse 6. For a child will be born for us. A child will be born. Now, if you're in a challenging season, you believe that God's going to bring a solution, God's going to bring an answer, and the answer that God provides is a child, at first you might scratch your head. Why? Well, those of you who have children, you know that they don't show up on the day of their birth super helpful. None of, my ch none of my kids, like, day one, they were not like, hey, Dad, can I help out with some chores around here? Dad, can I help just lift the burden off your back? I, I see, like, you're working hard. Can I, can I help out? You see, at, at face level, it, it doesn't, wait, a child? But it's not until we begin to understand that our greatest need wasn't just a little bit of help. Our greatest need wasn't just a little bit of encouragement. Our greatest need was a substitute and a savior. Somebody who could do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Therefore, the solution had to be a child would be born, but not just in a generic sense, a child would be born for us for us. A son would be given to us. As you, as you consider the manger today, as you consider this, this story that at times, especially for those of us who have maybe been in church for a while, it's so familiar. Is there any sense of awe that begins to awaken as we consider this? A son is given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord's armies will accomplish this. See, this was good news for those who were walking in darkness. This was good news that, that a child will be born, but, but it will be born for us. He will be born for us. Life Center, can I ask today, when, when you think about the love of God, what do you feel? 
And I know that's sometimes a dangerous question, and here's why. Those of you who know me well, I will be the person to say, hey, we don't just live by our feelings, we live by faith. But here's one of my concerns, is that we can go through the journey of Christmas knowing the story and never feel anything about the love of God. If that's where we're at, might I suggest to us that maybe our feeler is broken and it needs some reawakening. Because here's the key thought that I want to share with you today. The love of God is powerful because the love of God is personal. The love of God is, is powerful. Why? Because a child is born for us. It, it's, it's personal. Yes, in context, that's a promise given to the people of Israel, but ultimately that fulfillment arrives right here in Pierce County in 2022 for us. A child is born for us. And the love of God for you, it will never be powerful until it becomes personal. And yet the love of God is powerful because it is personal. You see, it's not just a historic story. It, it, if it's just a historic story, it actually has no power to transform you unless it's got a present reality to it. See, with that in mind, look with me to the New Testament. Jump to the book of John, the Gospel of John. This next year, as a church community, we're going to spend a lot of time in this book. But I want you to consider John chapter 1. Listen to what it says about, about Jesus. John here in his introduction to his Gospel, he's almost writing like a new Genesis. Look at the first three words. In the beginning. Where have you heard that? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And now John is, is filtering everything he knows through the lens of this man named Jesus who was born and laid in a manger. In the beginning was the Word. Notice the capital W. It's a proper name. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John is saying something so significant about who this Jesus is, that he is eternal, he pre-existed creation, and not only that, he himself is God, God who has now clothed himself in flesh, the incarnation, God has become one of us to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. You see the importance to, to slow down and consider the implications of what this Christmas story is actually all about. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was what? Life. And that life was the light of men. That's why Isaiah prophesied and Matthew references those who were walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
light. That light, it shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Skip down to verse 10. He, speaking of Jesus, was in the world, and the world that was created through him, and yet that world did not recognize him. The one who spoke everything into existence, he arrives in his own creation that he set into motion, and yet that creation ultimately wanted nothing to do with him. They were so busy thinking they were doing the things they should be doing that they they had grown cold. They had lost their sense of awe. They missed the promise and the fulfillment of God right in front of them. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. They did not earn the right. They did not deserve the right. He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Look at verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Does it amaze you that God's love for you is so specific, so focused, so personal that that word became flesh and he dwelt among us. You see, the arrival of Jesus, the the incarnation, theological word for God clothing himself in humanity is this reminder that love came to us. Love came for us ultimately so that love could dwell with us. Don't miss this. God's love for you is deeper than just emotion or feeling. Some of us, we we engage with love based on our feelings. So that's why a lot of our world, they can fall in love and they can fall out of love because they no longer feel something. But I want you to understand something important today. God's love is not like that. God's love for you is righteous and holy and just and true. It does not shift. It does not change. God's love for you was not and is not generic. It's specific. There's some of us, we we can quote the scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the the world and, and we leave it generic like it's somewhat distant and abstract, but no, no, no. You have to marry that truth with Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. A son was born for us. It's personal. And because it's personal, friends, it's powerful. Please don't miss this. God's love for you was not a chore. It was a choice. God did not roll his eyes and go, man, stinking humans, messing up everything. I guess I better go down and fix it. God chose to love us 
even in our mess. And his love is so personal and powerful that it does not give us room to stay in our mess. God's love for you was not a chore, friend. God's love for you is not just historical. It is here. It is now. But will you unwrap it? Will you allow that awe to be awakened in your heart in the midst of this Christmas season? You see, Jesus is the love of God that came to us. It's not that we worked our way to him. His love came to us. It's it's personal. His love came for us. It it was purposeful. He came with intention on an assignment, God's great rescue plan. Jesus is the love of God that now dwells with us. It's present. It's powerful. Paul Tripp is an author, a theologian, and said this in a book that he wrote a number of years ago, spiritual growth is about recapturing your awe. You want to grow this next year? How's your awe? You you want to take some steps forward with Jesus? How's your awe? Are are you putting yourself in a place where, where you come face to face once again and you don't just see an empty manger as a historic story or a part of a play, but you look at this and you go, God, you loved me so much that you were born into this mess. And you lived the life that I could never live. You died the death I should have died. And you rose again. This message. God, would you awaken the awe? And and friends, I get it because sometimes things become so familiar. I spent the greater half of my life preaching through one single book. Most of the time, people walk in knowing what I'm going to preach about. Tyler, what are you preaching about today? Jesus. Why? It all points to him. And yet, even though it's familiar, God, would you awaken our awe to see it with fresh eyes. To see it with fresh eyes once again. See, Life Center, I'm inviting us to do this today, to to awaken the awe by either receiving this or by remembering this. Receiving or remembering what, Tyler? Number one, that this love revealed in the arrival of Jesus, this love, it came to reconcile. Came to reconcile. You see, relationship with God has been broken. Some of us, we we categorize our sin, but understand scripture levels the playing field. So understand at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. We're all sinners. Tyler, how dare you call me a sinner? I'm mad at you. See, you just got mad, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short. And because of that, relationship was fractured. Something had to be done. And and here's the good news. Jesus became our mediator. In fact, the Holy Spirit speaks through the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
He says this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. There's one mediator. And guess what? Your effort in your earning did not mediate. I look around the room today and you all look amazing and you are beautiful, but guess what? Your good looks did not mediate. Your consistency, your Sunday morning attendance, come on somebody. Your voting record. Do you want me to keep going? We did not mediate ourselves back to relationship with God. There is one mediator, and that's why this manger is so important. And if we miss that, friends, I'm concerned about our sense of awe that what is sacred. We treat it as something less. And something that is so profound, we become content being silent about it. Because the awe has grown dim. Holy Spirit, would you reawaken our awe? Love came to reconcile. Friends, it wasn't our consistency, it wasn't our effort, our earning. Jesus did it. Jesus is our mediator. He reconciled us to God, but not only that, this love that we're talking about, that was revealed, this love came to redeem. To redeem. The word redeem simply means to to buy back, to, to purchase back. A number of years ago, our family was on vacation. We were in Oregon, and man, I learned something important and powerful about redemption in Oregon. You turn in an aluminum can, they'll pay you. We spent a week on vacation. We, we went through a lot of soda water. That's kind of our thing. We love soda water. And we took all these cans to this recycling center and started putting it in this machine. And we get to the end, and it prints out this receipt and it says, go see the cashier. So I walk over to the cashier. I'm like, do you want this? And she holds up money. She was like, do you want this? And I'm like, yes, I do. I started thinking to myself, man, how do I start taking trips down to Oregon with cans? This is fun. But what was it about that moment? There, there was a redemption price. And understand, love came to redeem us, to buy back what had been lost. You want to know whether or not you're valuable to God? All you have to do is look at the price he was willing to pay to redeem you. See, a value is determined on what somebody is willing to pay. That's why Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, says this, for you know that you were Redeemed. Can you say redeemed? You were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors. In other words, there is an empty way to approach living. And yet, God has redeemed us from that. 
Peter goes on. You've been redeemed not with perishable things like silver or gold, the very things that most of us spent a lot of our time, energy, thought process trying to attain. Peter says, you weren't redeemed by perishable things like that. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished, spotless lamb. Friends, love came to redeem. And, and here's my concern. We hear that and we go, yeah, that's good, Tyler. That's good. Instead of being moved with awe, allowing that awe to be reawakened, that, wait, this story is real. A child was born for us. This love is, is powerful because it's, it's personal to me. Friends, every single week I have to wrestle through this. Why? Because I can be guilty at times of telling others what I myself am neglecting to take in. Yet the Spirit of God has been reminding me this week, Tyler, I want to awaken your awe. Tyler, nine performances telling people about Jesus during the singing Christmas tree. Allow your awe to be awakened. All these different Christmas Eve gatherings, allow your awe to be reawakened. Don't miss the message. Love came to reconcile. Love came to redeem, but also love came to restore. Love came to restore. See, today we have a new standing through God's love and mercy. Please don't miss this. When you put your trust in Jesus, it didn't just make you a little bit better. It's not like you got a, a slight software upgrade. It's not like that decision, it, it made 10% it made improvement to your best life now. No. You were made new. You, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. But, but God, I don't feel new. No, you are new. But God, I'm still wrestling. Hey, welcome to the club. As long as you're breathing, you will wrestle. But the awe shows up because love came to redeem. Love came to reconcile. Love came to restore restore what, Tyler? Well, what was lost in the garden. See, we read in Genesis, Adam and Eve, they, they had perfect, unbroken relationship with God. They, they got to walk in the garden with God, but sin created a fracture. But don't miss this. God's plan will not be thwarted. See, God desired to be amongst his people. As we read the Old Testament, as the people are wandering through the wilderness, God says, I want to dwell among my people. And so God gave Moses some blueprints of what's called the tabernacle. It's the same word that we read in John chapter 1, verse 14 about Jesus, where it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He literally tabernacled among us. See, in the Old Testament, we read this 
picture of God creating a tabernacle because he wanted to be amongst his people. When they inherit the promised land, he gives plans for them to build a, a temple, a, what appeared to be a, a permanent home. But friends, the end goal was not that God would simply just be around his people. Because ultimately this is moving us to the arrival of Jesus, the one who will undo what our sin has done. And we go from the garden to the tabernacle, to the temple, to all of a sudden Jesus being proclaimed as Emmanuel. He is God with us. But the story doesn't stop there. It gets better. Why? Because Jesus, he's going to live the life we couldn't live. He's going to die the death we all should have died. But he rose again, and guess what he does next? He pours out his spirit on his sons and his daughters. And the Holy Spirit now takes up residence, so it's not just God with us, it's now God in us. In fact, Paul's going to go on to say this, that, that we are now the temple of God's Holy Spirit. Imagine that, all these temples walking around Tacoma. You, you are a carrier of God's presence. All because a child was born for us. A son was given to us. And the word became flesh, he made his dwelling among us. Friends, this changes everything. And it's time to awaken the awe. Please, 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 over the next seven days, don't just rush through the journey. We had a tradition in my house growing up. Christmas morning, man, I, I could take you back to that living room. And every year I knew what was going to happen. Before any of us could open a present, my dad would have to read through all of Luke chapter two. Can I tell you, when I was young, I was like, this is the longest chapter in all of scripture. I remember thinking, dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find an abbreviated version of this for you because this is just taking forever. And all of these years later, I look back and I'm thankful that my dad was trying to put in front of me the very thing that was supposed to create a sense of awe within me. And can I encourage and challenge you over these next number of days, don't, don't just rush through the next thing. Don't, don't miss the message of the manger. Don't, don't just kind of skip ahead and look at all the lights and look at all the decor and look at all the trees. Can you allow the Holy Spirit some space to awaken the awe? Friends, it matters. Why? Because it becomes powerful when it becomes personal. And I'm convinced that Pierce County it needs it to become personal to us, Life Center. You see, until we're moved to awe, many of us, we, we feel maybe content just to hold this good news to ourselves. Why? Well, when, when you're in awe of something, you want to post about it, you want to talk about it, you want to share it, you want to let other people know. Some of you, you've gone to a new restaurant and you've been so in awe of the food that you become an evangelist for the restaurant. They don't even have you on their payroll, but you're telling everybody about it. 
about this message? That a son was born for us, for Pierce County. Life Center, you've heard me talk about this. There's roughly 633,000 people in Pierce County who are disconnected from Jesus and his church. What do they need? They, they need people who have allowed their awe to be awakened. You have family member, you have friends, you have coworkers, and in this season, listen, we're gonna do everything we can Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve to, to put Jesus on display. Can we allow that sense of awe to awaken in us and, and create room at the table for others to taste and see that God is good? Holy Spirit, would you awaken our awe. Come on, Life Center, would you just take a moment, close your eyes. Lord, for many of us, the message is so familiar. But Holy Spirit, I'm asking, would you awaken our awe? That love came to reconcile. This love, it came to redeem. This love it came to renew and to restore that which has been lost. God, would you awaken our awe? Today across this room, if, if you're just believing in this season for God to awaken your awe, if that's you, would you just raise a hand, just hold it up for a moment saying, yeah, that's Tyler, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I, I want my awe awakened. God, you see every hand. You know every story, every situation. Lord, we're asking that, that this story wouldn't just stay locked up in some, some historical sense or it wouldn't just sit on the calendar once a year where we check our annual tradition off. But God, by your grace, would you awaken the awe when we think about this simple truth, a child was born for us. It's personal. God, would you awaken that awe? And I pray for friends today who that they need to allow the story to become personal. There's some today in this room, you haven't yet made it personal. And I want to encourage you, today is your day. A child has been born for you. He's done for you what you could never do for yourself. Today, if that's you, you want a fresh start with God, here's what I'm going to invite us to do as Life Center. We're going to pray this prayer together right now. Would you say these words? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Reawaken awe in my heart. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. Help me to follow you every day of my life. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those who are making that decision today?